definitely is the reason why we have gathered here today. Not to be taken lightly. Amen. We gather in this place to worship and praise Him. And I think sometimes we do forget that, that we are here to worship and praise our Lord and Savior. And so let's make sure we put our hearts in the right place today. Amen. I'm going to ask you would uh, take the Word of God and turn with us to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 this morning. We're going to be looking at a few verses in Psalms today. Psalm 91. And when you find your spot, if you would please stand as we begin reading. Beginning in verse 1, the Word of God states, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that filleth by day, or flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest they, thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come and approach your throne of grace, we thank you, Lord. And Father, we realize that we're here by your providence today. Lord, you brought us into this house for a reason. Father, to either accept you or to worship you. Father, to draw closer to you, Father, or to, Lord, to be hold the desires of your heart for us. Father, may we incline our ear upon thee. May we hear what you have to say to us today. I pray, Father, today that you would use me as your vessel here. Lord, that you would encourage me and strengthen me, Father. But yet as we speak your word, Father, will each and every soul that's here hear the things, Lord, that your spirit speaks to them. Those in the uh, junior class today, those in the nursery, those all around this church that are doing work today, Father, I pray for them. 
And I pray, Father, that salvation truly can come to our church. Many, Father, are saved here. But, Father, we realize, Lord, that in many that are saved, sometimes there are few that are lost as well. And so we pray for their salvation. We pray for their trust, Father, their trust in you. And, Father, we desire today that you might help us, Lord, to instill and, and Lord, to continue and confirm that trust in you. I pray, Father, today also, Lord, that as we've sung these songs, Lord, that you and your Holy Spirit have prepared our hearts for this lesson. And, Father, as we think about the things now that we will say, Lord, will you lay upon our hearts power, Lord? Will you give us that unction, Lord, that we need to speak your word? And, Father, we pray then, Lord, that when we leave this place, that your word has not been in, in vain. Lord, that it has hit the spots that it needed to hit. Lord, it spoke to those that it needed to speak to. And, Father, that it encouraged those that were discouraged. Father, once again, we love you today and we praise you. Thank you for being our God today. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for all these things now in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated today. I want to draw your attention back to the first couple of verses in our text this morning. Uh, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, that little phrase, shall abide, it actually means to pass the night. To pass the night. So in other words, what he's saying here is, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall pass the night under the shadow of the Almighty. How many times in our lives have we been in fear? A fear of some dreaded disease, a fear of death, maybe a fear of something that would happen or would be caused to happen in our country or some, uh, some family member. And we've, we've been awake all night long, tossing and turning back and forth, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen and yet the Lord tells us here that, that those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, that He will be with them and pass the night with them. What a sweet, sweet thing it is to know that God is with us. That God is not only with us here in this church house, but when we drive down the road, that God is with us. When we are laying in our bed at night, that God is with us. And no matter whether you're sleeping or whether you're awake, that God is there with you at that point in time. But notice there is a prerequisite that he puts upon that. Notice he says, He that dwelleth in the secret place. You see, today I want to speak to you on the subject of in the secret place with God. In the secret place with God. And God desires for us to find that secret place. A secret place that we can gather with Him and we can open up our hearts with Him and we can share everything that is there, all of our emotion, all of our happiness, all of our joy, all of our pain, all of our troubles and our trials. He desires for us to do that. And sometimes we cannot do it when we're in the midst of a group of people because we do not want to share all those things personally with everyone else. But God wants us to share them with Him. And so he tells us that we might find a, a secret place. Some would call that secret place a prayer closet. Some might call that secret place uh, just a place to get away. 
Some call that secret place their bathroom, you know. Some call it their shower. Whatever it may be, God encourages us and commands us to have a secret place that we can get together with God and we can talk to God about the desires of our heart, about the problems and troubles that we face. And we all face those things. And we're not just talking about those that are of aged uh, years. We're talking about every single person that is a Christian from a child on up. As a young child, I was taught to pray. And these are some of the things that I was taught to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. We were taught uh, God is great and God is good. Let us thank Him for our food, you know. And honestly, even though they were canned up prayers in a sense, God still did answer those prayers. He helped us sleep, and He gave us food and provided for us all the things that we needed. But I do remember this, that the very first prayer that I really feel like that God really answered for me was when I was 15 and a half years old, and I prayed and asked God to come into my heart and save me. I know He answered that prayer because I stand before you today, amen? And if God had not answered that prayer, I would not be standing here in fact, I know I would be dead today. I would already be in the grave, as they say, pushing up daisies, you know. From that day on and to this day right now, I know that the Lord is my Savior. And sometimes we also find out that liberal teachers teach us that all men, everyone is a child of God. But dear friend, that is not what the Bible teaches the Bible teaches us, he says, that ye are your father, the devil, until the time that you are born again, and then you are born spiritually into the family of God. And then you have the right to call on God. You have the right to call him father. You have a right and a privilege and a command to talk to him and share your heart with him. So in light of all that, who can pray today? Who can pray? Well, I have thought about this. Even this past week, I was talking to one of our church members about prayer. And I was thinking about this ever since then and thinking about the fact of who can pray. And I think that the ones that can pray today are only those who can call God their Father and those who have been saved. And I learned something when I was a young preacher that, that God wants to hear us pray, but God wants to hear, first of all, from a lost person, that prayer of repentance. He wants to hear that prayer that I have sinned. I have come short of your glory, God. I know that I'm lost. I know that I'm wrong. And I know I need salvation. Amen. Who can pray? Only those that know God, really. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, he says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut to, uh, shut to the door, pray thy, to thy Father, which is in secret. And the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Who can pray? Those who will realize that God is passing the night with them. 
the entire psalm of Psalm 91 is actually speaking to us about the divine protection that God gives us in a dangerous age. And in Sunday school, we were just talking about the things that are going on in our world, the persecution of Christians that have been going on in our world for many, many years now and, and how that is highlighted in some third world countries and around our world tonight and, and how aware are we of these things. And then I come back to these thoughts and all through the psalm, God reminds us that He is protecting us whether it's a dangerous age or a delightful age. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Hold your spot there, but turn with me back to Psalm 46. The very first verse of Psalm 46 states this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with a swelling thereof, Selah. That little word Selah there is actually a pause. That's what it means. It's like when I take a breath in between statements. And it gives us an opportunity to look back at what has been said or what has been read. And that's why God puts those little pauses there so that we can look back and, and be reminded of what He just said. To, to let the intent and let the, uh, the power of that to get upon our heart and our thoughts. In verse 4 He says, There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. You see, he's talking to us about the power that God has, the power of rescue, the power of refuge that God has for each and every one of us, the power to keep us safe, the power to keep us where we are supposed to be. But we have to desire that, you see, friends. We have to desire to be what God wants us to be. We have to desire to stand with God. We have to desire to pray to God. Even though we've been commanded to do these things, we still have to have that desire in our heart and our life. So, who can pray? Who can pray? Those that desire, you see. Those that have been delivered. And those that will denounce this world and the things of this world. Those are the people that can pray, you see. And sometimes we feel like we cannot pray. Sometimes we feel like we're not able to pray. Sometimes we even feel like that we are not worthy to pray. You see, and I think when we look at it that way, we're looking at it the wrong way. Because God just wants us to communicate with Him. He wants us just to share our thoughts with Him. Again, our hurts, our pains, our joys. He wants us to let Him know that, that we're happy when He's made us happy, that we're sad when we're sad, that we're broken when we're broken, and asking Him to fix us. In fact, over in Psalm 138, verse 7, we find that David is in the uh, midst of trouble. He's having all kinds of problems there. And he goes to the Lord in this prayer, and most of the Psalms are prayers that have been put into music. 
And as he, his, he writes these things, he, he, even though he knows he's in trouble, even though he knows he's having these problems, he says, Thou wilt revive me. And how today I believe that we need revival. We need revival in our church here. We need revival in our families. We need reviving in our, in our spiritual life. We need reviving in, in the very worship that we do unto God. You see, I preached this morning on the radio about worshiping and how God is worthy of our praise but we cannot really truly worship and praise God until we really know God as to who God really is. And I'm afraid that when most congregations come into their houses of worship, I believe they're coming in with a partial knowledge of God, with a partial truth, or not with a definite decided decision that they want to be there, a definite decided decision that they want to pray, that they want to worship, that they want to really know God. And so they cannot worship Him, really. And that's why our services sometimes in our churches are dead. That's why there is no praising. And then the contemporary churches are out there and they build up their form of praise and it's more of a show, it's more of a bodily thing that they're doing. It's a fleshly type of worship. And God does not want us to worship Him in the flesh. God tells us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We go on back to that Psalm 138 and talking about David. And David says, Thou wilt revive me. But he also says the reason he knows that God will revive him is because he has confidence in God's will. And then he, he, he says something that's interesting. He tells God that he is great and his mercy will last forever. And then he asks him a question. Because you're so great, and Lord, I am so small. Lord, will you not forget me? Will you not forsake me? Now, I'm paraphrasing what this entire psalm is talking about. But it's there. And then over in Psalm 57, verses 1 through 7 there, we find that, uh, again, in verse 7, uh, he tells uh, there that his heart is fixed. You see, I mentioned a while ago, sometimes we become and we get a broken heart. We, we, we feel ourselves broken. And it feels like we can't go on. It feels like we can't do anything. And David felt that way at times in his life. And, and, and as he prayed to God, as he talked to God, God gave him the answer. And when God gave him the answer, he would say to God, My heart is fixed. Oh, friend, God will fix your heart. He'll fix your heart in salvation and He'll fix you and lead you to a right place. And then when your heart is fixed, then you can sing and give praise. Then you can lift up holy hands and, and, and righteously praise God. In verse 9 he says, He will praise God to the people. In other words, when, he, when his heart gets fixed, he's, he's not only going to just praise God, but he's then going to go out to the people, and he's going to praise God to the people. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I am so excited about God that I'm going to go out and witness to the people. I'm going to tell them about what God has done to me and for me. I'm going to be a blessing to them just like God has been a blessing to me. And I'm going to shout and I'm going to praise, but he doesn't stop there, does he? 
If you'll continue reading there, we find out that not only will he sing praises and, and bring these to the people, but he also says he'll do it to the nations. You know, one of our problems today in America is we used to be the one who always sent the missionaries out to other countries. Do you know now that the other countries are sending missionaries into America? Because America has forgotten about God. America has forgotten the truth of God. They have forgotten how to pray. We've taken the Bible out of schools. We've taken the Bible off the courthouse walls. We, we, we do not even realize what these things mean anymore. And sadly enough, sadly enough, America is still crying out, Lord, please help us. Lord, please help us. I cry out from this pulpit today, Lord, please help us because we need Thee today. We need You more than we ever have. And I think about this, friend. David says, I'm not just going to give praise to the people. I'm going to go out and I'm going to give it to the nations. You see, every single one of us, our church included, and we are a mission-minded church, but, friend, we need to make sure that we support all those missions. Some of you were not here this past Sunday night when Brother Sasser was here. And I can guarantee you, dear friend, if you miss Brother Sasser being here, you miss an important message. An important message about what's going on over in the Middle East right now. What's going on over in Israel right now. And, and, and what we need to be doing, friends, is we need to be praying for these nations. We need to be praying for these other people. We need to get back where we're the ones sending the missionaries out like we used to. It used to be that God would raise up mission and missionaries within our churches and churches would send these missionaries out. When's the last time we as a church sent a missionary to the mission field? I'm not talking about someone who came by here and looking for support. I'm talking about someone in the church that God called into the mission field and God said, I want you to go to Africa. I want you to go to Israel. I want you to go some other place. But God called them out from this place. When's the last time, or has it ever been? You see, dear friends, I think the reason this is happening in our world today is because of this prayer thing. We really have forgotten how to pray, and we've forgotten who prays. Number two today, who are we talking to when we pray? Who are we talking to? In Isaiah 45, verse 18, he says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. And he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. Amen. That's who we're to be praying to. Amen. We're to be praying to the Lord. I'm not praying to some great swami out there, you know. Uh, I, I, someone that has a crystal ball and says, and the steam and the smoke is rising up, you know, and, oh, great Swami, please tell me what's going to happen in my life, you know. You know, there used to be, I, when I was young, 
these uh, soothsayers, you know, they would be all around the country and they would have this sign out and they would have a Madam so-and-so and it had a big old eye on it. And you could go there to her and she would tell you your fortune. And now, you know, for 1995, you can call out to California and you can talk to Miss Sarah and Miss Sarah will tell you all about what's going to happen in your life. Will you find romance today or will you find wealth and fame and fortune Funny, isn't it? I mean, we laugh at things like that, but that is our world right now today that we're living in. And how sad it is that because we're living in this world the way that it is, we have forgotten who to pray to. We have forgotten who to go to in times of trouble. Our nation, dear friend, needs to make sure that they start going back to God. We don't need to get God back into America. We need to get America back to God. Amen? Well, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 says this. Look unto me, and be you saved, all the ends of the earth. Who is he saying to do that? He's saying every single one of us. We're all to look unto him and be saved. For I am God, and there is none else, he says. Back in the springtime, there was this commercial that came on. And it was this supposedly well-thinking father. And there was a little girl there, and, and she was asking the father something about food. And there was a room filled with flowers and all kinds of things like that. And basically this was a story that he could fix his food, but his mother could do it better because she was... Mother Nature. Listen, friends, there's no such thing as Mother Nature. There's no such person as Father Time. It's only God. Amen? Only God. Be careful what you put your trust and your faith in. There are false religions out there all over our world today. Even in this valley, there are false religions in this valley. And people are putting their faith and their trust in the wrong thing, in the wrong person today. They're putting their trust. God said, in thee and thee alone should I put my trust. He's the creator of all creations. He is the almighty God. Yet, He is also our loving Heavenly Father who wants us to come to Him with our request. And we must be sure that when we come to Him, dear friend, that we bring our focus on Him. You see, I think that's another problem too. We bring our request to Him, and He wants us to do that, but that's all we do. We never praise Him. We never lift Him up. We never let Him know how good He is. And the very first thing that Jesus told His disciples about how to pray was to remind God how good He is, that He's holy, He's high, and He's lifted up. That's exactly what Isaiah saw when Isaiah in chapter 6 saw God. He saw it as an almighty God, high and lifted up, with angels surrounding Him and realizing that He was a man of unclean lips. Now, the only reason he was able to say, send me, I'll go, is because he realized who God really was. And he prayed to him and said, send me, I'll go. And before he could do that, God had to send angels over there with live coals off the altar and cleanse his lips because they were unclean. 
Maybe the reason we don't pray to the Lord right is because we have unclean lips. They're still dirty and filthy. And that is one thing that we must clean up. We must get it right with God. Now, number three today, a time's getting away from us. When should we pray? When should we pray? Well, take your Bible and turn over to Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and she, he shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were uh, many with me. God shall hear and afflict them. Even here that he that abideth of old, Selah, because thou have no changes, therefore they fear not God. When should we pray? <laughs> Morning, noon, and night. Amen? All day long. God tells us that we should be in a prayer attitude in the New Testament all the time. In other words, every single day we should be talking to God constantly. In my heart and in my mind right now as I'm preaching this message, I am still talking to God. I'm asking Him, Lord, give me the next word to say. Help me, Lord. Give me the strength to stand up here and preach this message with Your power. Not that people see me, but that people see You, God. When should we pray? All the time. Verse 1 of Isaiah, excuse me, of Psalm 55 says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud, and they shall hear my voice. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I like the way he puts that there where he says, In supplication in spirit. Because remember, God said that they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. When we pray to God, we must also pray in spirit. It's not just lip service, you see. It's a spirit. It's a soul service that we're bringing unto God. We're speaking to God from our heart, from the inner man, from the very, from the very depths of what God has created within us. And we utter those prayers unto our Lord. David also said in Psalm 55 and verse 16 and 17, the verses that we just got through reading there, and it's always good to start your day off that way. Amen. Start your day off with Bible reading and prayer. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. This means staying on praying ground so we can get in touch with God whenever and wherever we need to talk to Him and about whatever we need to talk to Him about. How should we pray? How should we pray? Well, that speaks about the posture of our prayer. And there's verses in the Bible that speak to us about people who prayed standing. Other people fell out prostrate on the floor, and that means flat on your belly on the floor. Some that were sitting, 
Some that while they were talking, they prayed. You see, God doesn't really necessarily mind how we are when we're praying. He doesn't mind if we're sitting, standing, going back and forth, swaying, you know. <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> he doesn't mind that. He just wants us to talk to Him. Amen. Amen. And we have so much of a problem talking to God. Why is that? Why do we have such a problem talking to God? We should pray, and I think this is one of our problems, we should pray with clean hands. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 24. I told you we were going to be looking at several psalms this morning. Psalm 24, let's look at verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He's not talking about coming to the Lord with grease on your hands. He's not talking about coming to the Lord with mud on your hands or some other type of filth. You see, our hands, our hands are the representation of our witness or our testimony of who we are. We, we give and we take with our hands. And so God says when you come to Him, give with clean hands. Same way in our, in our tithes and our offerings and, and what we are to give unto God. Give with clean hands. And, and do not give it in, in a reserved way saying, well, I don't know how this is going to be used or I don't know this or that or whatever. Listen, dear friends, we give it to God because God commanded us to give it, dear friends. Do it with clean hands. Psalm 24 and verse 4. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So we should pray in some form of posture. We should pray with clean hands, but we must pray with faith. Amen. Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible, impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. How diligently did you seek the Lord today? Diligent seeking is like this. Oh my goodness, where is He at? Is He under here? No. Is he, oh my goodness. Is He over here? Where is He at? Where is He at? Is He under this book? No, is he under, whatever this is, a notebook, is he under that? That's diligently seeking. When you go to God in prayer, do you diligently seek your God? Oh, Lord, I'm here. Where are you at? I need to find you, God. Please come to my rescue. That's what David would do. David would pray and he would beg God, God, please, I need your help. I need your rescue. And he also would praise him that way. Must have faith. 
James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Verse 7 says, For let not man... Excuse me, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You see, God is not just here waiting to pour everything out on us without us asking for it. God tells us you have not because you what? You ask not. Maybe we don't have the guidance that we need because we haven't asked God. Maybe we don't have the strength that we need because we haven't asked God. And then I go to this in closing today. Why should we pray? Why should we pray? Number one, because there is a devil. Did you hear what I said, folks? There really is a devil. Jesus said, pray that ye enter not into temptation. That word temptation can be exchanged synonymously with trials. It's God's way of giving to us when you pray. You talk to God and God gives back to you. We need to pray for grace and mercy to help us make it through the day. I need it. I need it every day. The old devil, he tries to fight me every single day on every single thing that I do. He tries to fight me. Does he do that to y'all too? We need to pray. There are different types of prayers. There's asking prayers. There's supplication prayers. There's thanksgiving prayers. But we have occasions to pray every single day. And then we also have those hindrances to prayer. You know what the enemies of prayer are? James chapter 4 and verse 3 says selfishness is the first enemy. Isaiah 59, 12 says that sin is the next enemy. Mark and Matthew both in chapter 11 and chapter 5 tell us that unforgiveness is the next hindrance or enemy to prayer. Marital problems in 1 Peter that's a hindrance to prayer. Psalm 66 and verse 18, not only sin, but unconfessed sin. And so what are we supposed to do when we pray? We're supposed to pray in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I like the way I read this one time, and so I put it in my notes. When you pray to Jesus, it's like going to the bank of Jesus or the bank of heaven, you know. And I'm not saying you're praying and you're just asking for things and God's going to give it to you. I'm saying you're praying and you go to that bank and you know that you've been in that bank before. It's like one of these good old country banks that you walk into and you walk in and they say, Well, hello, George, how you doing today? How's your corn crop today, you know? And when we go to God in heaven, that's exactly what God does. When I speak to God in heaven, he says, well, how you doing, Tim? What's, what's on your mind today, Tim? What's on your heart today, Tim? What troubles do you have? Oh, I remember that trouble. I was there when that happened. Oh, I also remember that sin, Tim. 
Did you get that right? Oh, I know you didn't. You hadn't talked to me about that yet. Is that why you're here today talking to me? Yeah. You see, friends, prayer is so important to us. It is our avenue to God. And we need to make sure that we utilize this tool, this precious, precious tool, not in the wrong way like the world does, but in the way that God tells us in His Word to do, to pray. And then we'll understand some of the Psalms when we read the Psalms and we read about David and his troubles and trials. We'll understand what David's doing and how he did it. When he was in the cave there at, at Machpelah and, and he was there in those caves and, and he was scared to death. He had, he had men all around him, soldiers all around him. And, and what did he do? He prayed and God gave him strength. And he went down into the valley and found Saul laying there and got his dagger <laughs> and walked back up to the mountain and Saul never even knew he was there. How did he do that? Because he had prayed. Now, he didn't go down there beside Saul and do that with his knees and knocking, you know, because if he had done that, Saul would have heard him, you know. He would have heard those knobby knees bouncing back and forth together. He went down there because he had faith. He knew that he was victor already because his heart was in the right place after God. Is your heart in the right place today? Do you need heart surgery today, dear friend? I know a doctor who can do it. His name is Dr. Jesus. He's the best heart surgeon I have ever found in this world. He will, he will go into your heart, and it will be as though that there's no incision at all, but he can take all the ugly stuff out that's in there. He can cleanse it and purify it and make it brand new, just like you've had a heart transplant, dear friends. In fact, do you know that Jesus was the first one in the business of heart transplants? And he doesn't have to put a mechanical one in. He puts a real one in, you know? Maybe you need a heart transplant today. Maybe you just need to talk to the Lord. Maybe there's some been some things on your heart and on your mind that you just need to get down with God and talk to God about. Someone said to me one time, they said, Preacher, I realize that maybe I'm the one at fault. And I looked at him and I said, Well, we have to get to a point where we realize that we're sinners and God is angry with sin. And sometimes we think we're a whole lot better than we really are. And we have to look at ourselves in the mirror the way that God sees us in the mirror. Don't look at the mirror the way that you see yourself. Look at the way that God sees you and then talk to God. And see how your prayer life changes then. Guarantee it'll be better. With everyone standing with heads bowed and eyes closed. Musicians and song director coming forward. I know today that there is only one God and I'm thankful to say that he is my God today. I love him with all my heart today.
but as I, I desire to love him even more. I want him in my life more and more every single day. And I find myself putting up roadblocks in front of him. Even though I want him, I find myself putting up roadblocks. Paul said something like that. He said, I know what is right to do, but sometimes I do the wrong things. And he prayed and he asked God to help him not to do that. And friend, I think maybe that's where a lot of us are. We just need to ask God to help us not to do the wrong things. Be careful what we say. Be careful what we think. Be careful what we look at. Be careful what we hear. So that when we go to God in prayer, we can approach God with clean hands and a clean, pure heart. And then God will bless us. If my people shall humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. You see, that's the only way revival ever comes to a land. That's the only way revival ever comes to a church and a church people is through prayer, us humbling ourselves unto him. Will you humble yourself today as she begins to softly play this morning? God's spoken to your heart today, friend. I think he's talking to some people in our church today. I don't know personally what your problem is or your need is. But God's asking you to come forward today and get those things right with him. It's between you and God. And God realizes that. Maybe it's a, a situation in prayer or about prayer. And you need to come. So I'm asking you, Christian friend, you come and talk to God. Talk to God. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing? Will you be the one that will step out first and help others to come? Husband, what about you and your wife? What about your situation? Will you be the one to come out? Will you be the one to step out and say, Wife, I want you to come with me. Husband, I want you to come with me. How about it? You see, I think we're living in a time when we're in desperate need today. We're in desperate need of God's help in our families, in our churches, even in our workplaces today. It's a desperate time. And what about you? Are you desperate for God? Then come forward and meet Him here at the altar. Will you do that? number 562.
is good to us really better than we deserve when we have opportunities never forsake the opportunity that God gives us because we never know when it might be the last opportunity talk to God get close to God Get close and get to know him personally and get to know him. You say, preacher, I'm saved and I know him, but do you really know him, friends? Do you really know him? See, knowing God, it involves intimacy with him. We all need to be intimate with God. It's good to see you today. Good to see you. Um, Happy President's Day. <laughs> Maybe one of these days we'll get a good one. Who knows? <laughs> We've had some good ones, amen? Not always been that way. Um, Brother Ed, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer?